I shout the jubilee. Hurrah, hurrah, the army's the life for me. My uniform is a masterpiece. The seat of my pants looks like a valise. I smile at a girl and she hollers, police, I'm in the army now. Hurrah, hurrah, I shout with all my might. Uh, I, I've got a new novel coming out in April. Thinking about pushing it back to May, uh, okay. only for the, uh, the the promotional time that I that I need. Um, okay. But, uh, I'm I'm really excited about this this project. It's it's going to be a a three book series. I've never written a series before, uh, but mm. this together so comfortably uh, and so naturally. Um, and, and is, is such a, um, it, it, it seems like a complex idea, but it's, it's rather simple, um, when you, when you come down to it. So, and can I ask what that is or, you yes. just want to share? so, uh, the, the spark for this, uh, goes back to 2016. I don't know if you recall, Jeb Bush made an astoundingly stupid remark, uh, <laughs> of, if he could go back in time, he would kill baby Hitler. And oh goodness! Oh goodness! <laughs> so I decided to explore that, explore the morality of it, and explore the science. Um, and it's called the assassination of Baby Hitler, a love story. And uh, mm. a bit of a spoiler: uh, at no point in the writing of this book were any babies, Nazi or otherwise, harmed. Um, but it, it gave me a unique perspective on on speaking about the holocaust decades before it happened and 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 it brings up this this conundrum uh that that darby doesn't know how to to directly broach the subject because it's so abstract to uh to these people right mm -hmm. um and I, I get to geek out on some science. One of the things that drives me crazy, and I'm, I'm a huge science fiction fan, uh, and, and especially the time travel genre, uh, but I have a I have a scientific or a physics background uh, as well, and it drives me nuts that everybody is either loading garbage into a flux capacitor in an old DeLorean or touching a a, a, a magic rock or there's there's just a portal that go, that takes them back in time, but there's no understanding of the science and how that works. So there's a lot of there's a lot of theoretical uh, physics, and uh, I decided to have a little bit of fun with that. It also gives me a great opportunity to talk about uh, free will and strict order and and that eternal struggle. And since I'm, I'm dealing in, in physical theoreti theoretics uh, like negative energy and wormholes, uh, who better to manage that but a rock and roll guitar uh, cabal? Uh, the mm -hmm. Nick Wells of Time, Rick Derringer, and Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, and Michael Schenker. Um, and I just had uh, on my Playtime Playcast, I just had a conversation with Roger Earl from Foghead. And we were mm. talking about wow. Dave, and I, you know, it it hit me, and I I just started into the into the second part of this book, um, or the, or the second uh, the second episode of the uh, 
of the series. And it, it struck me that I didn't consider Lonesome Day. And so, so he, he, he just started laying out all of this stuff. He goes, he goes, well, if you're going to use Lonesome Day in this book, let me tell you some things. He goes, then send it to me and I'll, you know, I, I'll talk it up and we'll discuss it. And, and I was like, that's brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Roger Earl, uh, who I, you know, I, I saw, saw them back in Alpine Valley in. Oh, goodness. Nine, um, driving up from Romeoville with uh, with four buddies, and um, so it was it was uh, it was sort of this magical reunion, I guess. Well, the days of days of Stevie Ray Vaughan and Rupert Alpine. Yeah. Oh goodness! Yeah, yeah, that was that was Alpine Valley was was my was everybody's go to. Absolutely, yes, Lake Geneva, the whole. Indeed. Steve <laughs> Martin and uh God, who else did I see there? Uh Molly Hatchet and UFO and Rush and God, just all, all these, all these yeah. We saw Fleetwood Mac one year. Yeah. At Alpine Valley? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can imagine. Um if if it was dry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it must have been must have been a fantastic show. I was there one one year and it rained. And it just turned, uh, so you you know it. It steeps pretty mm -hmm. steeply, or uh, slopes pretty steeply to the uh, to the stage. Um, the the lawn does, and it was just all mud. Everybody do was in mud, and it was a, it, it was kind of fun in the moment. But do they still, even still have concerts there? I'm not not that we don't pay much no, attention to it. But no, I I don't think so. I know you know. So I spoke with. Um, uh leo sayer oh and, wow yeah. yeah and and that's where he fell off the stage and and injured himself and injured mm. himself kind of badly yeah so goodness the acts that were there wow, wow. yeah it was it, it was incredible serial so, speedwagon sticks and oh yeah ario speedwagon i saw there and um <clears throat> And, and if it wasn't there, it was if it was cold outside or what, you know, it was the the International Amphitheater on the south side. <laughs> How'd you get interested in the Banner Brothers? Well, um, I picked up that book um, sometime around when I was uh, traveling in and out of Bosnia. Okay. And, uh, and, and I'd had a little bit of a, of a military background. I was in, uh, was an ROTC guy, uh, okay. Marine Corps ROTC. And uh, I saw you were a drill instructor and man, I, we, <laughs> as, as, as a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, uh, mm -hmm. doing, uh, doing, doing IDR drill, um, we went through, uh, through drill ins instructors by by actual uh, uh, drill inspections by actual drill instructors. Um, okay. So, but you know, you know, and I, I, I grew up in a cop family, uh, okay, and fireman family. So there was always there was always that that military aspect. And my brother was my brother just got out of the army right when right when I was uh, getting ready to go to Bosnia during the war. Okay. 
And, um, you know, I found, I, I suppose, um, a certain um, affability uh, with, uh, with the Band of Brothers and okay. sort of being out there in the middle of nowhere alone. And, and uh, as they say in the series, you know, uh, you're going to be surrounded. And he said, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the guys says, uh, we're paratroopers. We're supposed to be yeah. surrounded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I certainly know how that feels. Um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, the, the anticipate, I, I remember taking a bus, uh, over, with uh, a troop bus with with Bosnian soldiers uh, across Mount Igman above Sarajevo, which was uh, under uh, under constant battle, mm. and just being in that confined space and not being able to see what was going on around you, and or, or know what was going on around you, that that uh, anticipatory anxiety. Uh, felt very much to me like, sure. like these guys would have experienced in a C-47 flying over. Oh, North goodness. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think I, I I wrote a war memoir and I actually think that uh, I, I I did, as a matter of fact, make uh, make mention of, and I, but I think I, I said the guys awaiting to uh, assault Normandy uh, that that I, I knew very much how they felt. You know, stepping into those boats or those airplanes, but yeah, yeah, it's certainly not like airplanes like today. But they didn't know any better at that at that time for sure. So yeah, know. exactly, mm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if if they were going to get off the ground, let alone <laughs> let alone under fire, yeah, yeah, yeah. stand up, hook up, yes, shuffle to the door, yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Bless them all, bless them all, the long and the short and the tall. Bless all the sergeants and W.O.1s, bless all the corporals and their thinking sons, cause we're saying goodbye to them all, as back to their billets they crawl. You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean, so cheer up, my lads, bless them all. Bless them all. Hey, I've got a little bit of an introduction for you uh, that goes a little something like this, brother. Uh, it was just a year ago that Mark Hudson was one of the CWA Book of the Year winners for his powerfully written book, So Costly a Sacrifice, which tells the true story of the cost paid by one family during the Second World War. Hudson, a U.S. Army veteran and former former drill instructor, came across the story while researching the, the Sullivan brothers, five brothers from Waterloo, Iowa, which I sort of grew up on the periphery of, uh, who were among nearly 700 who died when the USS Juno was torpedoed by Japanese forces at Guadalcanal in 1942. Mark knew one of the original band of brothers, Medic Al Mampre, uh, who we'll talk about in just a moment. But uh, Lee, welcome you back to uh, Chicago Rights, brother. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a and, real pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. And, and, and wish you a a very happy holidays. And likewise, likewise, yes. Um, <clears throat> before we get into this great topic, which you and I both share 
uh, a passion and interest for. Um, I wanted to know, uh, as an author now for for more than a year, um, if you've ever experienced any publishing scams. Scams? Uh, it, well, actually, I mean, uh, in regards to like, uh, I, I do get uh, I do get phone calls on occasion. Yeah. Uh, promising, uh, uh, you know, television time, you know, yep. for, you know, a, you know, pay a fee. And uh, so I've had that. Uh, Those would be the ones. That'd be the one. Uh, but I will say uh, I, uh, I had a call. Oh, it was early 2022. <clears throat> I actually had a, had, a, had an email. And, uh, and as I read the emails, uh, someone was interested in the rights to the book i thought oh, here's another scam you know you, you get your hopes up i mean because you know you know i'm not you know i'm not in the book business per se um, yeah. the marketing you know it's not my forte so and it's a huge hope. component of hope oh, viewed absolutely. in the idea of being an author right absolutely yeah and uh and so as I'm as I'm reading this this email, it, it was saying, well, you know, that uh, you know, well, I'm a you know producer and director, and we're interested in the rights to your book. You know, would be would this be something that you would be interested in? And are you the owner of the rights? And and so as I read it, you know, again, you know, hopes are high, and you know, I suppose in some way, you know, it's uh, have zero zero expectations, and you can't be disappointed. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I dialed uh dialed up the number and, and had a conversation and uh fortunately uh quite honestly for me for the book for the family uh we signed a um we signed uh a uh an option agreement in august of this year brilliant that's great <laughs> absolutely um, i'm so happy for the family and, yes. and it doesn't mean it's something big is going to come out of this but you know nothing ventured nothing gained and we pushed the push the ball forward you know one step at a time so let's see there's there's the key so you you've created uh and and not to be be crass or cold about about the, <laughs> uh, about the heart of the book um but you've created a a product and somebody has paid for that product via the option mm -hmm. right yes um, yes and 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 at no time did they ever ask you for any money. No, no, not at all. Uh, yeah. Absolutely not. You know, um, and uh, turned out, you know, so I used, you know, uh, Steve Barron is a lawyer in Chicago. He's actually associated with Chicago Writers. Uh, mm -hmm. He was gracious enough to work with me and and uh, you know work through the you know all the 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 legalese i suppose of the kind because again you know i have uh, again no experience whatsoever with this and so he guided me through the process and you know we were able to get something uh something uh written and signed uh in august so they have essentially they have a year to kind of figure out what they want to do with it so, so. two weeks ago i received this email i'm alexa rodriguez a brand development specialist representing ec publishing <laughs> company prestigious Florida-based literary agent. I received a recommendation letter from my client a few months back requesting information about your book for a potential acquisition author. I've got I've got a number of books in print, by the way. So a book, hmm. what is it? Uh, I and my role, uh, I and my role involves advocating for exception, uh, exceptionally talented uh, uh, talented authors, which I'll comment here in just a bit. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm eager to re present your remarkable works 
to established publishers and filmmakers globally. My primary goal is to secure a contract for you operating within a commission-based framework, uh, which sounds wonderful, right? Uh, for domestic contracts, my commission can be as high as 12%. Uh, to achieve this, I am uh, I aim to ensure that your work aligns with the preferences of traditional publishers and influential figures in the in the film industry. That's the hook. Uh, this uh, this strategic approach minimizes the the potential for re for rejection and materials, saving us valuable time and effort. I would appreciate the opportunity to delve deeper into your into your uh, your vision and access how our aspirations align with your current book and any future projects you may have in mind. Uh, then she adds, important as a commission-based literary agent, my comp compensation is contingent upon your book securing a contract with major publishing houses, Hollywood film production companies, or prominent bookstores. Uh, and it was it was the prominent bookstores uh, that uh, that really drove my skepticism. Uh, hmm. So on this program, uh, I try to focus on marketing and promotion strategies for authors, which falls on most authors. Uh, even for many who are signed, you you'll know this can agree with this, Mark, even for many signed to a major publisher, uh, that you're still responsible, mm -hmm. uh, likely for the lion's, the lion's share of, of the promotion. Uh, and, and even the big houses don't really promote uh, small or new authors uh, to any degree like they do their, their big time anchor authors, which is becoming, also becoming kind of a uh, a short shrift um, uh, proposition. Agents uh, are not promoters. They are sellers. You do not have, you have to do the legwork, so to speak, and it can be a daunting slog. And it, and wouldn't it be nice if you could pay someone to get that done? It, it would be wonderful. Uh, bottom Absolutely. line, you can't. Uh, you and, and only you are, are the best person to represent your work. So I looked into uh, EC Publishing LLC. Uh, I looked at them up at the Better Business uh, Bureau, BBB.org, where you can find uh, probably a lot of these, a lot of these uh, potential scams. Uh, and there were a number of complaints against the company, uh, mm -hmm. like this one. They was, and I'm, I'm reading the email exactly as it was written, they was supposed to help me publish my book. Uh, when I give the company the materials, they never call. I feel they they stealing my stuff. I contracted uh, Dorrance Publishing. They claim that if they if they steal your material, meaning steal, if they, if they steal your material, we will come after them as well. I want my book back and my money back as well. First of all, I. <laughs> I, I've written some sloppy emails, so uh, I, I, I probably shouldn't take this person to task too much, but I, I'm also kind of seeing that there's uh, there's a there's a lack of knowledge, um, both about writing and about the industry, a, a certain naivete that these uh, that these scam artists uh, can uh, can exploit. Uh, in a heartbeat. I, I'd love your, your yeah. a little bit, bud. Well, I mean, so what, I, what, and you're right. I mean, we, we, as authors, we shoulder the responsibility um, 
to, you know, to promote ourselves, to promote the story. Um, and uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, you always, I've had several. I, matter of fact, most recently, uh, I've had a couple emails uh, and a couple calls uh, with uh, it's uh, with the, the Spotlight Network TV. I don't know if you ever have you ever heard of them. Um, no, I haven't. Yeah, so for so essentially for a thousand dollars, you can be interviewed by a gentleman Logan Crawford. Right. That's, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So um, you know, and, and again, you 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 think about it, it's like, well, maybe this is a spot. Maybe this is this is where the book is going to go big time, and we can really get a huge audience and footprint. Yeah. Um, but again, it's you know, I, I just I, I'm very leery about spending that kind of money with you know again there's going to be no guaranteed results but yeah. um if i thought it would have a you know get, you know be able to get the story out there I, you know i might consider doing it but quite well, I, honestly, mean, I can tell you i can tell you this having okay. been in broadcasting on on the radio for uh for for more than a decade uh and and doing this for a few years but but Prior to being on the radio, I did a lot of media for uh, for various things. Okay. Tra uh, uh, traditional media or um, or or true media, I suppose. Uh, they're always looking for content, and it's it's not it's not a it's not a buyer's market. It's they they want your content. If you're compelling and you have a good story uh, and and a good product, a book, if it's timely, uh, I did a lot of media for. I wrote a book about um, the the downing of MH17 over Ukraine back in 2014, uh, and in in which I beat. I I, I was out with a, with an investigative piece using using my substantial airline contacts um globally uh but i was i was out and and some military con uh contacts as well uh but i was out with the most accurate um uh, book about uh expose or investigative piece about that incident six months before before the the official report came out and my my book um it's called a tragic fate, uh, but it exceeded the um, the the scope uh, of of the uh, of of the uh, the official uh, investigation. So I did a lot of media off of that, um, and I was timed to do that. I also wrote it. Hunter Biden was mentioned in there, and Burisma, and and Russia, and and I, I got a little bit. I, I spent uh, a chapter and a half on uh, on Russia and the Soviet Union, and and their their cultural perspective or their their political or ideo ideological perspective. Um, so when the war in Ukraine happened, people contacted me again, but. But the cautionary there is if you have a book that's timely uh, and or you can you can you can offer it for those timely moments, 
then you'll always find an audience and you should never, ever have to pay for legitimate media. Does that? Well, and I, and I will say we have had in, in speaking to marketing the book. Yeah. Um, so one of the greatest successes we've had in two ways, quite honestly, is so my wife and I, we we have an antique business and we, we you know, we deal in primitives and architectural and industrial type uh, antiques. And so we go to markets uh, in all, all over the country. Yeah. Um, we go to. Yeah, and uh, and so certainly when we when we do these shows uh i set up a little i have a table i have posters of the family i you know and i and and i sell the book um and it's quite honestly it has it has done very well for us yeah. very well for us yeah but and and so that that's one success the other is some of these markets we do two and three times a year so when we return people come back that have read the book and uh they, 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 um, uh, most of them speak about how, how the book and the story evoke such emotion within, in them that, um, even caused them to, to go ahead and, and look into their, uh, their family's history, uh, wow. within the military. So, you know, it's, and, and that to me is a success as well. Well, that's, that's brilliant. Um, so, uh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend a great deal of time mm -hmm. in this. Um, because we, we've got, we've got some, some other important stuff we got to get to here. Um, uh, yep. the, there, there are some scam alert, uh, sites for writers, uh, that I'll post in the notes below, uh, like facebook.com has a writer beware site, uh, and, uh, the sfwa.org, um, has a, has other resources for authors, uh, called writers beware. Um, and, uh, and they actually wrote, a. uh, a special warning about fake literary scams. And I'll read just a little bit of that. Mm. Give people a little bit of, uh, a little bit of knowledge uh, on, on this. The past few years have seen a rise in particularly pernicious fraud scammers posing as literary agents and agencies, by the way, an agent will never ever cold call you or cold email you. <laughs> They're hard enough to get a hold of on their own as you, as you can attest to Mark. Um, but um uh, and agencies in order to trick writers into paying for expensive and often fraudulent services. They also they also do this. Uh, fans of George Nuri Coast to Coast Overnight uh, will uh, will may may recognize this strategy. These these long winded, multi segmented uh, explanations about uh, I don't know. They, they they met an alien, but they but it, it takes them forever to get to that point, right? What they're doing is is degrading your natural sense of skepticism by investing you in the story, and by doing that, you're more apt to to accept uh, the the story in its in its totality. Um, it's uh, it's a little um, sneaky. Uh, sure. but, but that's but that's what they were doing, and 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 this is this is what happened when I got a phone call from this Alexa Rodriguez at EC Publishing. She was reading off a script, and and I was in the car, and and, and as I was as I was telling her, <laughs> you, you need to get to the cut to the chase, get to the point. 
she just kept going with her yes. with her spiel. Yes. She was yes. she was trying to sort of numb my brain into acceptance. Or there's also the time investment. I've listened to you for an hour. Yes. What you know? It, I, I'm it, sort of invested, invested in it, you, and I'm, I'm invested in my own time, and so. It's it's um, funny you should say that because yeah. when I, I spoke about the about the spotlight network, that's exactly I got when I had the call. Um uh exactly yeah. the same thing that this gentleman did. And and I just kept wanting to say, just I just want to interrupt him, say, give me the punchline. How how much that's right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. just cut cut to the chase. How much? How much? How much? That's right. But 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 there 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 really is no um there is no bottom line uh because that it's it's more of a, a, a of an infinite well. Uh, how often? How willing are you to write the checks? And then the more checks you write, uh, then you, you feel that you're more invested, and they 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 have they have a, a way of str uh, stringing you along for that. Um, <clears throat> based overseas, primarily in the Philippines, these scams employ spoofed uh, phone numbers and false addresses to convince authors that they are located in the US uh, or Canada. When I Googled the address of EC Publishing, it comes up as a parking lot in front mm. of a school in Florida. Oh, uh, <laughs> they claim to work on commission, no upfront fees, yet somehow you will always have to pay for something in order for publishers to work with you, editing, social media, marketing campaign, what have you. Uh, you you may be referred to a separate company for delivery of these services, but in reality, it's all one operation and the agency is just up front. They finish up here with uh, out of the blue uh, so, uh, solicitation related to publishing or agent representation should be tr treated with caution. And uh, I added parenthetically, uh, and a huge degree of skepticism. Yes. Uh, and and then my final note on this, a reputable agent will never call you about your book, uh, as we said just a moment ago, and they will never ask you for money for a so-called good faith investment or charge for representing you. It's a scam. Kind of like the IRS calling you for money. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. He was a famous trumpet man from all Chicago way. He had a bookie style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowing reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. They made him blow a bugle for his Uncle Sam. It really brought him down because he couldn't jam. The captain seemed to understand. Because the next day the cap went out and drafted a band. And now the company jumps when he plays reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. A toot, a toot, a toot, a toot, a toot. Okay, now, now to the good stuff, Mr. Hudson. Uh, we share a common interest in the Second World War history, um, particularly uh, about the Band of Brothers, um, a, uh, a well-chronicled uh, unit history of the Second World War. We spoke about a common uh, interest in that, uh, in that story. Um, e Company, 506 Regiment, 101st Airborne, uh, originally authored by Stephen Ambrose. Um, I've been to the Easy Company foxholes in the Bois Jacques, 
uh, yes. overlooking Foy, just outside of Bastogne, uh, which they, which is a beautiful, beautiful town, by the way, yes. uh, uh, which they assaulted under enemy fire. That was. Ha, have you been to the uh, to the foxholes in the Bois Jacques? Yeah, we we absolutely were. Uh, 2015, yes. Okay. The original foxholes and the yeah, and, and walked the same path down to the town of Foy. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. better than two thousand feet down this long incline yeah. across largely open fields. I ran through sniper fire in Sarajevo for four hundred feet, and that mm. seemed like forever. And that was one guy shooting at me. Mm. Um, so I, I just I can't imagine having to run that in boots or 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 bundles wrapped around your feet. Uh, and uh, and heavy coats and weapons uh, through all oh, the snow, the artillery oh. fire. Yeah, just, yeah, for yeah. thousand feet, man. Man, after yeah, yeah, after living through hell and the, you know, when they were getting shelled in the woods. Yeah, yeah, with veritable starvation and uh, and and near frostbite and all that. Yeah, um, a company is around. Um, 250 people, I think. Uh, the series maybe highlights 20 or maybe 25 people, um, which is less than 10%. Mm -hmm. um, the book, uh, I think, hovered around that number. Uh, the, point, the point being, this hardly covered the roster and the integration, and you, you can speak to this um, beautifully, um, being a being a DI and uh, and a veteran, uh, but uh, it, it hardly covers the roster and integration of all those different job specifications uh, or soldiers MOS the uh, the military occupational uh, specialty as they're called uh, with four platoons three rifle uh, and one weapons um, and uh, each with four squads uh, all meant to work as as a single unit. Um, I'd I'd love you to to speak about someone who's written a a, a book about war um, on that conundrum between recognizing the the imperative necessity of total unit cohesion uh, and focusing a story on a few members of that, but trying to capture that camaraderie. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, as like I say, I, I was, I never, <clears throat> I was fortunate, never uh, was in combat, but certainly trained men for it. Um, I was, uh, like you mentioned, I was a drill instructor at, uh, mm -hmm. at Home of the Infantry, Fort Benning, Georgia, for two years. And, uh, you know, it's you, everyone always thinks of, you know, drill instructors as, you know, the constant yelling and, uh, you know, in your face. And and while a lot, a lot of that is true uh, at the beginning, you know, you build throughout, you know, we had what they call cohort units. So in, in one station unit training. So we had, you know, we had our guys from day one through all through their advanced training and, and all through that time, it's a process. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, 
it was, uh, you, know, you, you have to, you know, the old, the old saying, you know, there's no I in team and that's true. You know, you yeah. have to be able to depend on others, uh, build camaraderie, trust with each other. Trust is a huge factor, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and you're right about, you know, the band of brothers, you know, it's, um, I had, uh, I had the privilege and honor of, of becoming, uh, of, of knowing El Mapri and he was actually a medic in easy company and he was yeah. with the easy company from actually literally day one. And, uh, all the way By the through. way, is not mentioned. I, I, yeah. I, so I've got I've got Shifty's War here in front of me. Sure. Uh, he's mentioned briefly in Shifty's War. Uh, I've got Easy Company Soldier about Don Malarkey. Uh, not mentioned. Band of Brothers not mentioned. Mm-hmm. Brothers in Battle, Best of Arms not mentioned. Um, Band of Brothers in the footsteps of Band of Brothers by Larry Alexander not mentioned. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Maybe he maybe he is. Uh, but but. No, a brewers mentioned in that, and then yes. uh, parachute infantry by uh, by uh, Daniel Webster, uh, not mentioned. Sure, and and there is one book. It's called um, the Untold Stories of Band of Brothers, and it's yes. uh, yeah. um, several members. You know, you know, they chronicle their own stories. And and if I could say one thing about El Mapri, um, what will uh, in episode four. Uh, when they jumped into Operation Market Garden and they were on their way to, you know, they were, they were making their way to Eindhoven. Uh, Lieutenant Brewer was shot through the neck by a sniper. Yeah. Al uh, Mamprey is is the medic that saved his life. Yes. And uh, and uh, just uh, so you so Al was not mentioned. Um, another gentleman, and now I had the privilege of meeting Al and a couple other members um, at Doc Pepping. Who was uh, another medic in Easy and uh, Bradford Freeman? Now Bradford, he 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 was the last surviving member of Easy Company. He passed away in July of of unfortunately last year of uh, yeah. Yeah, 2022. Um, Ed James was the last surviving officer, and I, right. he passed away. I believe those guys, those guys were all in there. I mean, yeah. you know, going into 2024 here, you mm-hmm. you'd have to be you'd have to be close to a hundred if yeah. not if not beyond a hundred. I think. 20 was uh was the mean age of, of most of those guys in mm-hmm. 1944 uh, mm-hmm. so that that's yeah. life it is yeah but we had so we you know with our uh you know we do presentations with the service flag and the blue star mothers gold star mothers and so we did an event uh and it actually it's in the first week weekend of october of every year it's uh-huh. currently military weekend and it's held up in Tacoa, georgia which is oh you're uh-huh. probably at our 15 uh northeast of atlanta mm-hmm. and if you've never been there and, you, and if you're a band of brothers junkie uh like i am uh it, you have to put that on your list of of things to do because it's a it's a very it's a small museum but it's a wonderful museum um and uh so they help they hold this event currently military weekend and they would have you know surviving members uh come back and, you know, sit down and, you know, you had the opportunity to meet a lot of the guys. And, and, uh, I think one of the, one of the, the most incredible pieces in the, in the, uh, uh, in the museum is, uh, they have one of the original horse stables 
um, from when the when the men were training in uh, Elborn, England. Mm -hmm. um, they, they dismantled it board by board, brought it over here, and rebuilt it inside the museum. So it's an it's just an incredible piece. But uh, yeah, so that that weekend, I, I had the privilege to meet Al and Ed Doc Pepping and Bradford Freeman. Now, and I always I, I always joke with Al. It's like I had to travel a thousand miles to meet you because Al was actually from uh, he lived up by Skokie, Illinois. So <laughs> after after that weekend. Uh, we had the, my wife and I had the privilege of, of meeting him a number of times with his daughter, Virginia Mapri, a uh, wonderful lady, uh, and, uh, you know, developed, you know, somewhat of a, of, of, a, of a friendship, um, mm -hmm. but the, the stories that you could just listen to. And I'm, I'm shocked that, that some of the stories that he told did not make it into the, into the series, quite honestly. Yeah. yeah. So, so people will probably recognize, um, a, a key key scene in which uh a medic runs up to to brewer um mm -hmm. during the uh during the eindhoven um uh episode mm -hmm. where where brewer is shot through the neck uh in in the road uh doing doing this this general patent impersonation um and a medic runs up and is immediately shot in the uh, uh in the leg uh, which is what happened to uh, Al, right? Exactly. Yes, it's exactly right. He, he remember he so he was he would tell me he was you know he was laying next to Lieutenant Brewer and he had a uh, he had he had given him a, a like like an IV and it was a glass bottle and he and he yeah. would say that he would hear you know a sound that sounded it sounded like glass shattering. Yeah. Um, and but it obviously it wasn't. It was the bullets that were whizzing by whizzing by his right. head. Yeah. yeah. Wow. In, in um, the most, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, um, just to, just to um, sort of cover the base here uh, with, with Al, um, he, seemed, he seemed rather, um, rather jovial or, or, or very well adjusted, maybe better adjusted than, than a lot of his comrades. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, if, you know, PTSD is is one of those aspects of uh, of war that is highly individualistic, um, but ubiquitous, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it can be it, it, it can be the violence. I, I know my my little brother in law uh, in Sarajevo was was one year old when we were uh, we were shelled in our neighborhood, and <clears throat> he was. He was trembling so badly at, at every at every explosion, sure. uh, and and so loud noises really affect him and haunt him to this day. So it's 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 not just seeing death; um, it's it's the it's it's the violence. It's the um, it, it's the noise of war that can that can also shatter a person or or affect them. Right. Absolutely. Again, it's it's very individualistic. Um, well, and but, I think after. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think with World War Two, um, you know, and, and I'm no historian, but, but you know, I, 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 I do my fair amount of research. And, and you know, I, I think one of the things that, you know, men in that generation after that war, I mean, it was there was all expectations were, hey, we won the war. Uh, it's time to go home, raise families, get a job, move on with life. And I think I, I think many did that, but many didn't. And, and remember, you know, PTSD 
he really wasn't labeled until I believe it was in the eighties. You yeah. know? Um, and so I, there's a, and if you've never seen it, uh, I'd highly recommend uh, to watch. Uh, it's called He Has Seen War and it's a 2011 documentary and it features surviving members of Easy Company and the first Marines that were in, where that was, they were in the, uh, the series, uh, uh, the Pacific. Yeah. And it's, and it talks about, you know, their difficult adjustment back into civilian life after the war and, and what, how, and how the war had impacted them. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a, like I say, if you, if you have time, it's only, it's just a little bit under an hour, but it's mm -hmm. a, it's a great watch. Um, but yeah, I've been mad at that. It, like I said, when they came back, it was, uh, you know, they had it, they just didn't label it. Um, and, uh, but they all, even many, in, even in war, even in, in, in if if you if you feel you're on the right side taking another person's life uh mm -hmm. affects you right yeah. um but al had a different perspective in that he was there to save lives mm -hmm. um and and then he became a psychologist afterwards did i get yes. that did I hear that correctly yes, yes. so I, i'm wondering if uh and and maybe this is a conversation we we can have later with with Virginia, if 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 those two aspects of his experience uh, ended up um, having uh, weighting his uh, his uh, his experience with PTSD. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think Virginia, she she like is such a wonderful lady. And uh, she traveled with Al to, to reunions yeah. and uh, yeah. and uh, she would uh, I, I, I'm sure she would she would love to sit down and have a conversation with you. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things, you know, she you know, she had she had said, you know, she is, uh, you know, is speaking about Al. He said, you know, she said, Dad said there are different phases in one one's life. The key is to embrace the phase you are in while honoring the others. And how true is that? Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Um, and, that's, and that's Al. Yeah. From from a literary standpoint, um, there are a lot of stories to tell, but uh, especially about the Second World War. But what do you think? Um, what do you think the the differences between the Second World War, hmm. morality, the the juxtaposition, the history of it? Uh, what do you think the difference was between that and the later wars of this country? Mm, good question. Well, I think one, I mean, you know, when you think about World War II, uh, the country was behind it. Everyone felt, you know, people felt justified after the yeah. attack on Pearl Harbor. Um, I think all wars after that, most wars after that, other than quite honestly, you know, I think a lot of young men had the same feeling after 9-11 as, as young men did after the attack on Pearl Harbor. But I think, you know, when you think about support for the war, uh, you know, the nation was behind, um, was behind everyone uh, during World War II. And I don't think we've yeah. seen that since, quite honestly. Um, but, you know, it's one of the comments I often hear is, you know, say, well, you know, you know, men of, uh, you know, men today or young boys today would not, uh, you know, that'll never happen again uh, in terms of, you know, volunteering um, after, you know, a, you know, uh, an event like 9-11. And, and, and I, I quite honestly, I kind of I, I think about that. And, and I know several 
young guys that were were Marines and 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 they looked at again they looked at 9/11 as their Pearl Harbor yeah. um and so they felt that same loyalty that same dedication to the country that they had to go they had to go and and uh I suppose in some way seek revenge um but yeah. to even the score yeah, yeah I, I had a brother that did uh two tours in Afghanistan uh and and I his son gave up a a full ride uh, mm -hmm. uh full scholarship uh to Notre Dame uh for football uh to to join um he's in the 82nd airborne now is that right yeah and, yeah. and even during World War II you know there there were I mean there's stories of there's stories of young men that committed suicide because they, they wanted to enlist and they couldn't because of maybe yeah. it was a health condition or something that, you know, literally that's how, that's how, you know, uh, obligated or devoted they were to the nation that they wanted to serve. I, th I think there's, there's a romanticism to, to that mm -hmm. war, um, e even more so than, than the first world war, uh, which was, which was, but it was, it was kind of the transition from, from that old style of, a battle in ranks uh, to to the trench warfare of World War One, and then on to when when that became a horrific, bloody disaster. Then then the world the world's armies or the world's military pivoted to uh, to 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 unit um, to to movement, right? The tank. Uh, yeah, and it, really, it really wasn't that. I mean, it, 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 you know, thinking of World War One, I, I mean, there really, really wasn't that spark, yeah, right? That yeah. caused men yeah. to serve. I mean, there were, you know, when, yeah. you know, uh, when President Wilson, when he, you know, with the Zimmerman telegram things. I mean, there were, th yeah. you know, there were events that happened that, yeah. you know, that uh, certainly gave pause. But again, you know, it was nothing like, you know, the attack on Pearl Harbor, yeah, that that caused men to, you know, enlist. Yeah, yeah, and I think on the, on the Pacific side, uh, the the Blitz of of London and, and England uh, had had a significant weight, uh, but then then Pearl Harbor just tipped it over, and uh, but the, it was it was really kind of the last war of man against man, army against army, right against wrong, where where you could you could clearly you could clearly lay out who was right and who was wrong. Um, and, and, and anybody can get down, get, can get down in the weeds and, 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 and pick that apart. But by and large, it was, it was good against bad. And, and there, there's a, there's a moralistic righteousness in that and, and, a, and, and romantic righteous righteousness in that. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so we just lost, uh, the final members of the band and band of brothers, uh, here over the last several years, we, we spoke about Helmopre and, uh, and, and some of the other, the other folks had shames. I have, have his book on the shelf, which is a, which is a great book, by the way. Um, where, so where does one begin researching the stories of these men in their, in their absence or in their memory? Um, do you begin with family, military records, uh, newspapers, diaries, libraries? Where where, where does one begin 
if if they if they want to tell that story or if they have a story to tell. I mean, without getting like you know too deep into the weeds, you know, certainly one easy way to do it is to watch the series. Um, because I mean, a lot yeah, of yeah. what they, you know, of what they portrayed, you know, was factual. Um, and just like the upcoming, yeah. uh, you know, masters of the air, you know, you know, from what, you know, uh, with Tom Hanks and Spielberg, I mean, that's one of the you know, points that they wanted to, 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 you know, impress on was the fact that, yeah. you know, yes, I mean, it is TV. Uh, but uh, again, I mean, it's uh, they they talked with, you know, especially the Band of Brothers, because at that time, you know, this was 2001 and they had started, you know, they had started researching this, you know, several years beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, so they had um, members of Easy Company, several members, officers and enlisted uh, to, you know, to sit down and document their stories. Um, and same thing with Pacific. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, you can go like even, you know, researching, you know, the book that I wrote, you know, So Costly Sacrifice, it's, you know, you know, to tell the story, you have to get deep into the weeds, absolutely deep yeah. into the weeds. And that and that and that goes to that speaks to uh, the National Archives that speaks to presidential libraries. Um, and uh, and quite honestly, there's had been several occasions where um, just reading old news articles and and tracing family, uh, you know, families that I was able to connect with, yeah. uh, you know, uh, members of, you know, of, uh, uh, of, um, you know, family members that, you know, that, uh, that they were, you know, serving in the war. So it, that, it was, just, man, that was really, that was really important for so costly a sacrifice because uh, every, every, uh, everyone in that immediate family had, passed on either either in the war or yes. or of, of old age so you were talking with um sons and daughters and grandkids or or, or what have you weren't you yeah so that means several things and, and, and to me it's you know it, well i think for every book especially nonfiction, you know it's all about credibility Totally um, I, 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 there was a gentleman that, you know, I told him I was writing a book and he had, and he said, oh, my father wrote a book. You have to read it. He was a World War II veteran. Mm -hmm. And I uh, said, oh, this is a fantastic book. And uh, and so he sent me a copy. And in the very first paragraph, uh, he had made the statement, uh, you know, um, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it was the worst day in American history, December 7th, 1942. Oh, God. <laughs> and so. It's so, you know, it, it, right off the bat, it's like, okay, someone didn't, uh, someone did not edit the story. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. but again, it, yeah. you know, it just, it, it speaks to credibility. So that was, you know, that's, um, and, <laughs> you know, in so-called sacrifice. Yes, I talked to essentially Boyd, the one, the son who came home. Uh, I talked to his son, Randy. Uh, Eldon, uh, Eldon was too young to serve. Uh, and I talked to his daughter and, and granddaughter. Uh, there was another lady um, that uh, she um, she was uh, somewhat of a historian and, and, and teacher out in uh, in Tremont. Yeah. And uh, so I had the privilege of, of, you know, working with her. And she actually sent me tapes back in. I want to say it was around uh, 2000. One of the daughters um, of Elbin Gunda, um, she was still living, and they sat down and did several, you know, uh, cassette tape, you know, on the old cassette tapes interviews with her. So I had that to pull from as well. So, and then again, you know, National Archives, um, President Roosevelt and his, uh, I went to his uh, 
his um, his library in Hyde Park, New York. And he actually had, of all things, he had a small folder of the Borgstrom family uh, in his library. So it's just, it's, yeah, I was, you know, very fortunate, but, you know, you have to just, you know, it's a lot of, lot of research, you know, you come to dead ends, um, but you just can't let that discourage you. And, uh, and I didn't. So Puzzles and fragments. Yes, absolutely. Puzzle pieces and fragments. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, speaking of, Speaking of fragments, you know, one one little story is is the fact that I, I linked up with the uh, essentially a father son team. They're kind of hobbying hobbyist historians of the five hundred six bombardment group over in uh, and they live near Shipdam, England, and yeah. um, and so I got a hold of them, uh, and uh, they you know they uh, they were very helpful with the history history of the unit and uh and it just so happens they would give when 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 gentlemen would come back members of you know that that served it shipped them they would come back on occasion they would uh you know kind of see what's left and reminisce a little bit about their time during world war ii and mm -hmm. and uh, one of the guys that actually returned was a gentleman he was on the the uh what they called the crash crew the day that um uh roland's plane went down and yes. uh he he actually remembered he was at he was actually the first guy on site of that crash and so he knew exactly where it was and speaking of fragments um this father and son team actually went and they excavated a little bit and they dug up several fragments of uh, Roloff's plane that I was uh that I will give back to the family so a nice you know a nice keepsake wow wow that's that's brilliant uh so in in the book you gave an Astounding statistic: uh, a total of seventy-eight thousand seventeen airmen died. Uh, U.S. airmen died during during the Second World War, um, which which I I think is um, is a splash of cold water uh, about the sacrifice that that generation made. Uh, but but these these young men uh, were forced to make as well oh it's an incredible uh, uh, unbelievable st statistics and i suppose yeah. to kind of put it into you know uh context you know um and i don't know don't know the exact number but um the the marines all through world war ii from guadalcanal to um you know to okinawa, okinawa. Uh, to you know um iwo jima to tarawa uh, lost 18,000 men. Um, again, a, 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 you know, certainly a, 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 a tragic number, but you, you kind of put that in comparison to what these, you know, these uh, airmen uh, lived through is, uh, you know, just kind of gives you an idea of just, you know, the magnitude of it, you know. And, and, and remember, if you were, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I said, and we have to remember, these were extraordinarily brave young men. They were all volunteers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mostly thing was I say in the book. And you you think about the courage that they had to have, you know, when they knew it was no secret. I mean, they knew. I mean, it was, you know, your chances of survival was less than 50 percent. But yet they still did. Yeah. If you're if you were shot down, you were you were you were mm -hmm. lucky, lucky if you were captured. Uh, you're you're falling yeah. 30, uh, 10 or 20 or 30,000 feet uh, to, to the ground there. There weren't a lot of uh injured casualties that I, i'm i'm sure that 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 number 
that seventy eight thousand skewed towards towards the towards the 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 near totality of of casualties for U.S. airmen. Yes, and, I I cannot I cannot fathom actually performing one of those jobs on on, on the uh, you know whether it was on the B seventeen uh, flying fortress or you know the the B twenty four they 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 yep. referred to it as the flying yep. coffin. You know? Yeah. I can't imagine the and a lot of those men knew going in, especially especially as as the war progressed, there there were clear statistics uh, that they were presented with that you 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 will survive maybe this many mission, missions uh, and then your number comes up. They knew that. Yes, you know it's it's interesting. I you know I. I watch a lot of interviews with world war ii veterans and you know yeah. especially now with with you know with masters of the air coming out one of the one of the interviews that i watch and it's just absolutely fascinating a gentleman by the name of john lucky Luckadoo. Uh -huh. uh yeah he was a b-17 pilot uh in the hundredth bomb group you know they called the bloody hundredth and uh one of the interesting uh uh facets of facets of his conversation that he said he said you know uh in in a you know, again, I'm just kind of repeating what he said and paraphrasing, but he said, you know, they really had four enemies, right? And and uh, and they and they all began with F. And uh, he said, you know, first was fear. You yeah. know, he said, you know, we were absolutely just scared to death. Uh, and those that didn't admit it, um, you know, they, uh, you know, everyone, every one of them to a T was scared to death, but they yeah. still did it, yeah. you know. And then, you know, the second F was fires, you know, because, you know, German, you know, they had, they, they had already been fighting the war for quite some time before we got involved. And, you know, so they were well-trained well and well-equipped. Mm -hmm. um, and then flak, you know, the anti-air, the 88 millimeter anti-aircraft, um, the projectiles that, it, you know, when they exploded, it was just literally sharp pieces of metal that would go through this. I mean, this, the, the skin of the airplane was, was just thin aluminum it ripped right through it yeah. and, then, and then he talked about the cold the freezing yeah and uh you know at twenty thousand feet it's 50 below zero and these are uh, this is not pressurized aircraft yeah and and he made he made he had you know and you know so any exposed skin would would immediately freeze, freeze. yeah you know, any metal and uh one of the comments he had made was he said at, at that he said you, you know your fingers would would um self-amputate yeah and because you know it, because it was just that cold um, so we we spoke a, a little bit of, uh, ago about being in the right place at, at the right time um <laughs> to do media and media promotion for uh for a book um with master masters of the air the the spielberg and and hanks um miniseries about about to break here uh i think in on january 8th maybe um do do you plan on on doing anything to highlight um your book and and i, I would so i i would add this caveat that it wouldn't be exploitation because your book is incredibly important to the subject and incredibly illuminating, not just for the, um, 
for for the statistic, the seventy eight thousand that that we 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 spoke about, um, but it would seem to me to be um, a, a great addendum to to the series. Your I'd love your thoughts. Yeah, I, I haven't haven't necessarily planned anything like that yet. Um, the series actually going to come out the twenty sixth on these Apple Apple TV. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. And uh, but you know. Um, I don't, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it does speak in some ways, you know, because one of the sons that was lost, he was a tail gunner on a, on a B-24. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I suppose in some ways you think of the, the magnitude of loss with um, bombardment squadrons uh, and airmen. You think about the magnitude of loss with one family, um, you know, four of their five sons in less than six months. Um, so, but uh yeah, I haven't uh, haven't thought about that quite honestly uh, in depth, but um, you know, I always say you know any opportunity to share the story about about the family, you know, I I, I relish any opportunity. Um, so uh, you you said you 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 received an option for uh, for the story uh, for yes. your book, so costly a sacrifice. Do you uh, do do you have do you have a, a sense that that movie uh, or that series will will get made uh i've been in just you know a little correspondence with the with the film with the filmmaker um okay. and unfortunately he said i you know, we just had correspondence a couple a few weeks ago he said the director had had some health issues so okay. it's it you know it slowed it down just a little bit uh and of course my timeline is so much more <laughs> on a rapid pace than theirs yeah. you know i want you know i'm i'm anxious, I'm anxious to see what they're going to what they're going to do with it and, and in the contract they have to let us know what they're going to do with it um because i want the story you know it, it must be as close to uh as the book is as possible because i mean it, it everything i've done all their research quite honestly um yeah. so but uh is, yeah, it, we'll, is it a documentary or would it be would it be a, a feature that yeah that that i'm not sure of yet yeah okay. they haven't they have they haven't uh they haven't let me know what uh, what the exact what, what their exact plans are for yet they just wanted to take you off the market and protect mm -hmm. themselves. Yes. Yes. Uh, are, are you working on a new book? You know, I, I, and I really commend you for writing so many books. Uh, well, I mean, that's, uh, I'm um, a very tolerant wife. Just, uh, well, in the, in the devotion, right. The devotion. Yeah. That yeah. That, that's, that's a huge, yeah. huge aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I have, and, and actually I was going to work on this book before, uh, the book about the Borgstroms, uh, so costly sacrifice, and uh, it's another story about a family. Uh, except this family's from World War uh, One, okay. and uh, i i had uh, I had invested about two years of of research. Uh, now, keep in mind, I do I, I do work a full time job, so a lot of nights and weekends. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, so I, you know, essentially, I I had purchased a a uh a, a shoebox an old shoebox mm -hmm. um of items well in in particularly there was supposed to be you know in the shoebox there was i i was uh, uh gonna buy i was purchasing these small service flags mm -hmm. and uh and that's all that 
that it was supposed to be. And so when I called this gentleman up, he's from New Jersey, little, little, little junk shop in, in New Jersey. Uh, he had told me, he said on the phone, he said, yeah, you know what, yeah, there's, there's some of those flags in there. He said, but you know what, there's a bunch of papers and a bunch of other things in the box. You can just have it all. So, okay, fine. So he, uh, so he sent me the box and, and uh, as I started to, to go through the box uh, it's, it's an entire uh collection uh saved by a mother who she had lost two of her three sons in world war one um and uh it's uh it's it's an incredible story as you start to piece it all together um and one of the most uh there's there's a couple items in the book or i mean that 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 were in the shoebox one was um one of her sons, Alexander, he had he had just joined the army and, and he was down at uh, Camp Dix at the time they call it. And uh, and remember, during that time, it was the great pandemic. And so Alexander, uh, he had been in about a month and uh, he uh, he got pneumonia. And so um, mother went down, Elizabeth, she went down to be by his bedside and she was there uh, right at his side when he passed away. So. She goes back to to, to her hometown, uh, New Jersey, and uh, she sits down and she writes a letter to her son, James. And James was, uh, he was in the uh, six engineers in World War One, and he had been in four or five of the major battles. And so she sits down and she she pens the letter on, on October 17th, uh, 1918. And she's telling James about the death of his brother. And, and she says, you know, it will be the greatest day of my life when you return back to me and mails the letter she gets the letter back and on the bottom of the letter bottom of the envelope it says um missing in action well what obviously what she didn't know at the time was that exact same day that she sat down and wrote that letter which is dated was the exact same day that he was killed oh my so God. yeah it's just uh it, it's an it's a it's an incredible story and so i i'm focused on trying to get that told now uh, along those lines, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: I have a, uh, I have a uh, more or less of a complete World War One uniform uh, in in my closet here. Uh, riding pants with the with the pewter uh, U.S. Uh, uh, buttons and the uh, the the drawstring, um, the tight drawstring uh, calves, uh, and a a wool World War One tunic, um, and. It was something eclectic that I could wear. What back when I was, uh, I was a, uh, I was a crazy artist uh, with long hair, um, and I was uh, there. It, it was an army surplus store next to an art store in downtown Downers Grove, um, and I was visiting the art store and decided to, to go in there, and uh, it, it was in it was in a little house. Upstairs in the attic of the house, I'm rummaging through uh, some things, and I come across uh, this uh, these these uniforms, and I, I brought them down to the proprietor and and asked him, you know, how much he wanted for it was a duffel bag, uh, and it, it it looked like it hadn't been touched since World War One, and uh, so he said, man. Eh, Give me 20 bucks. And uh, he goes, so there, there's a story behind them. That I didn't know what to do with those. Those are my my grandfather's or great-grandfather's, whoever. Uh, but uh, he uh, he fought in the First World War. When the war ended, 
He literally left the trenches, went to Paris, bought a suit of clothes, dumped everything in the duffel bag, and it hasn't moved since there's there's blood and mud stains and and different different stains on these things. Um, and so I handed over the twenty dollars and said, "It would have been worth that story, absolutely <laughs> alone." Uh, just you know, but um, man. Yeah. Uh, just it, it's it's just incredible you just never know what you're going to find and yeah. you know I, I had mentioned that there was another item in, uh, in the shoe i mean amongst i mean there's several letters there's several there were gold star mother armbands and there was uh and there was another very to me very moving piece in and that was um when, when james so james was killed in action they brought him they brought his uh, remains back and he's he's actually buried at arlington national cemetery okay and uh one of the pieces that's uh, that was in the shoebox, uh, I unfolded it, and it's about the size of a, about eleven by seventeen, and uh, and so there's some lines, and there's oh, there must be you know hundred plus small dots. So if you just took a pencil and drew a dot, and all these dots are in perfect perfect rows, and yeah. uh, and so as I'm looking at the piece, uh, you can see there's a little arrow right pointing to one of the dots it says James Grave and on the back as I flipped it over it says uh it said uh uh James Grave and it says Pa drew it so the father had had drew a map of his of his uh the of where his son's buried at Arlington National Cemetery just an incredible piece see all all that is is a family treasure mm -hmm. um, and it's the story of a family a, a tragic story of a family but there's so much there's so much life and uh, and passion uh and poignance in those uh in those little artifacts that tell a story or that hint at a much greater story that i can't i i just can't understand for the life of me uh why people aren't writing these books constantly and and so um good on you man for uh, uh, one of one of the threads that i thought you know just like you know with <clears throat> with so costly sacrifice with all the research papers that i have with all the with all the uh, documentation that i that i that i you know have from the national archives and from president roosevelt's you know his presidential library from the fragments of the plane uh, plane in england mm -hmm. all that rightfully go will go back to the family it's theirs and i've often said i'm just a conduit for their story that's all i am and i think about i think about you know the and i and the book's going to be called the shoebox um I, you know, one of the, one of the um, avenues that I want to take with the book is I want to find a living uh, family member that I could return all this to, because again, this is, this is, you know, this, this belongs with the family, it you know, it belongs to me right now because I want to write their story, but ultimately it needs to go back to the family. And how did it get, how did and I often wonder, how did it get to a, a, a junk shop in New Jersey in the first place? <laughs> and, and that, that level of sacrifice deserves to be remembered. It deserves to be chronicled. Uh, that story, that story deserves to be told. It, 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 it needs to be told, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, you know, just, I, I need to do it justice. That's. Um... Indeed.
indeed. Mark Hudson's book is so costly a sacrifice should be a primer to the upcoming series, Masters of the Air. We will post a link to that book, uh, the critically acclaimed so called uh, so costly a sacrifice was a 2024 winner of the CWA Book of the Year award. Um, thank you, man. This was uh, this was great. Um, absolutely a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely a pleasure. The, the pleasure is uh, all mine, man. And and I I get so <laughs> I read I read these books by these guys, uh, and, and my wife kind of rolls her eyes. Uh, so I don't really have that much of a uh that much of an opportunity to to geek out on band of brothers stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful story and uh and maybe like you say maybe one day I'll, i we could uh um we could get virginia and she can come on and she can she i can, would love that oh uh, yeah. she could speak to so much more than i ever can i, I ever could so yeah uh, yeah i i'd love that and I, I think we can have you know my experience with with war and ptsd and and you know my family's and my wife's we we can speak to to a to a much broader issue and and a much more intimate issue probably than a lot of people and and I, I've always wondered this too what are the what are the dumbest things that people ask about war or an experience of war or the recovery from an experience of war or looking back my wife lived through the siege of Sarajevo. Uh, I, I spent almost a year there, um, and went through some of the, some of the worst fighting and, but that all fades becomes a smaller and smaller portion of, of a life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these guys spent maybe two, sometimes three years, <clears throat> a few of them went on for it to, to uh to longer military careers but but a lot of them uh they they joined up to do their part uh they saw they saw action or combat uh if they survived it um they went on to longer and uh hopefully happier lives uh but that that becomes a smaller and smaller portion of their life every year that they're uh they're they're with us and, um, you know, I, so I, 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 I'd be honored to speak with her. So if, you know, any, any time, brother. Okay. I'm, I'm sure she'll, we can make that happen and say she's, uh, she's an absolute treasure, absolute treasure. And she also, she's executive producer, uh, of a film, um, it's called the girl who wore freedom and Christian Taylor's the, uh, she's, she's the director. And that's, if you have an opportunity to watch that, it's a wonderful, wonderful film as well. So, um, you know, I will, I will try to find that. You'll enjoy it. You'll absolutely enjoy it. It's, it's essentially, it's from the French's aspect of, of the day. This is the army, Mr. Jones. No private rooms or telephones. You had your breakfast in bed before, but you won't have it there anymore. This A link to all of our guests are in the notes below. And if you enjoy this program, please feel free to share it and don't forget to click the subscribe button and receive notifications on future programs. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. Do what the buglers command. 
there in the army and not in the band. This is the army, Mr. Brown. You and your baby went to town. She had you worried, but this is war, and she won't worry you anymore. 